Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. All depends when you're uh, having my wonderful little voice go through your ear pods into your head. And uh, hopefully it's not causing you to uh, have nightmares hearing this voice of mine. Uh, I, I have definitely have the, uh, the face for radio and uh, the voice for silent films. But that being said, uh, we are going to touch on a new topic for our uh, subject today. And uh, before we get going, uh, I will introduce myself. My name is Terry Beringer. This is Church Emergency Consulting uh, Incorporated LLC that I'm representing today. Uh, this podcast is called Church Emergency Podcast. Uh, as of now, we've discussed many things regarding church security and church emergency development and uh, medical teams and the such. And we will probably continue for a few more months specifically dealing with uh, houses of worship. Uh, we will eventually be delving into a little more business and non-houses uh, of worship or non-profits and uh, NGOs. But for now, we're still going to play around with churches and things like that. So today we're going to, um, how shall we say, dig into bag searches. And uh, if you get the little pun there, uh, you know, get it digging into bag searches. Uh, hopefully the pun hits home and um, uh, you're not booing at your iPhone right now. We're going to discuss having a bag checks done in a house of worship. And that is a somewhat of a controversial uh, topic. A lot of places uh, that have churches, synagogues, and mosques uh, and any type of house of worship, they discuss that churches and uh, houses of worship should never have a bag check. Uh, but honestly, in today's world, I can't agree with that. Uh, I think we need to take security uh, a little more serious than that. And um, as with any private organization, a, uh, a church, a synagogue, or a mosque is, uh, is once again private property. And uh, with that private property comes the right to make policies uh, and procedures based on the fact that you are indeed entering private property. Upon entering private property, there is a specific understanding that we definitely learned during COVID, uh, and that is what the owner wants, the owner gets. Uh, what that means is um, if the owner set up stipulations in order to enter that property, entrance was contingent on you fulfilling that. Uh, we learned during COVID that if the owner of a property uh, mandated that you must wear a mask to enter his property, uh, you wore the mask or you did not go into that property. Uh, whether or not you agree with the mask policies and the government stipulation uh, and guidelines, we're not going to get into that. Um, but if the owner of the property stated that in order to enter, you must wear a mask, you wore a mask. That was the stipulation that you followed. If you did not follow that, you would be asked to leave. Uh, if you uh, refused to leave, uh, failure to abide by that uh, would lead to the possibility of actually being brought up on trespass charges. 
Uh, let's give a good example. Let's see. Um, let me see. That said being uh, would be... Okay. Uh, if a local ice cream shop determined that the only way that they would serve you ice cream as a customer was that you were to wear pink fuzzy bunny slippers. Okay, I know that's an odd request, but let's go with it. At that point, they provided said slippers at the entrance uh, of their facility, as well as a place to secure your normal footwear. At that point, they also had an area that you could change said footwear. Well, then if you wanted to enter the private property that did not belong to you, that was owned by someone else, you would have to follow their stipulations and you would have to comply with the request of the owner of the property to enter. And you would indeed have to buy, or I'm sorry, you would have to wear uh, fuzzy pink bunny slippers. Yes, I realize this is an over-exaggerated example. Although you right around now, the idea of lounging in pink fuzzy bunny slippers eating ice cream is quite an intriguing thought, and it sounds pretty good right now, but hey, it's been a hard week. So how does this relate to a house of worship? Well, if the church or synagogue or mosque or place of worship determines that it's in the best interest in operations to do bag checks based on what they look like or what their intent is or um, however they do decide, that policy first and foremost needs to be put in writing. The policy needs to be stated clear and understandable for everybody. And even now we even go to the extreme of it needs to be posted uh, on the venue, uh, whether it be on the site or uh, actually on the door or in the bulletin or anything of that site, uh, anything of that sort. And uh, it has to be carried out consistently as well, or at least as consistently as possible. Um, things like book bags, backpacks, briefcases, suitcases, these are not normal objects that one would carry into uh, a, a worship center or any type of uh, typical church attendance. Uh, mind you, the exception to that rule is oftentimes the, the sound technician that always carries that big bag of uh, microphones and cable bags. And, uh, you know, there's one of those in every group, and he's always the odd guy out, and we all know we have to worry about that one, right, Tom? Absolutely. That's absolutely. So producer Tom is the uh, exception to that rule. Um, but uh, hopefully if you are working on a security team at a church, you are in well enough with the sound guy. And believe me, you want to be in with the sound guy. They're going to save your bacon more uh, times than not. So based on that little uh, necessity uh, of the items that you're uh, attending church with, you more than likely are not carrying uh, large bags, suitcases, backpacks, and this and, and whatnots. Um, you really don't need those to access uh, a, a, a worship facility uh, or venue of any of those types like that. So now, um, who does the bag checks is the one big question that comes up again and again. Uh, and we will discuss a couple of those hints below. Um, but once again, you have to have that policy in writing and it has to be known that you will be conducting bag checks 
Uh, and like I said, the best thing to do, especially if your venue does have concerts of any type or uh, larger meetings of some type or, or conferences, it needs to be known that you will be doing bag checks. Uh, so rule number one, let's think about this. Um, we might want to call these rules to search by. And the first rule, always having two people present. Uh, never having one person individualized by themselves um, doing bag checks. You're setting them up for failure uh, as well as um, making things look really bad. Uh, one of the people doing the uh, bag checks uh, should have some type of body camera or at the very least, uh, in order for accountability, place the bag check area in, an, uh, in, a, in a location that has multiple cameras angles uh, from fixed cameras, uh, best yet being directly under a fixed camera pointing down. Uh, that's the best place to do camera uh, or uh, bag checks uh, and being on camera to have a accountability. Uh, the third rule uh, that I would state is one of those people doing the bag checks should be uh, either your team lead or a supervisor of some type, uh, somebody who has been experienced in not just bag checks, but also in critical incident debriefing as well as or uh, a supervisor or at the very least uh, an experienced person in uh, some type of de-escalation techniques because obviously this is going to be some place where sometimes people will be a little irritable and uh, not nice so uh, they need to be able to talk them down uh, during concerts and larger venues and larger events uh, oftentimes uh, we will actually set up a table uh, directly underneath the cameras uh, so we can be visible at all times and uh, we'll actually kind of shoo uh, the people who have bags to that one side to be uh, brought over to that table. Um, at that point in time uh, we can also use a small wand if you want to wand anybody uh, at that point in time. Um, so you're doing a bag check. What happens if, um, while you're doing a bag check, you find this cute little puppy uh, or kitten in somebody's backpack? And trust me, it has occurred. Uh, I can verify that. Um, the owner might even pull the uh, emotional support animal card that, uh, that they like to play. Uh, but is it really an emotional support animal? or uh, And what does the law say about emotional support animals. Well, that's an interesting aspect as well. As a house of worship in the United States, surprisingly, you're not bound to the laws of the ADA uh, or what is known as the Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990. Uh, this means you do not have to abide by the federal regulations for service animals. Now, should you? Yes, specifically if, if it's service animals. Uh, if the animal is a trained service animal, there's not a question you should abide and uh, uh, take every consideration possible. The ones I'm speaking of are those people who just bring in an animal that they have from home and they refer to it as the uh, emotional support animal. Problem with that is if you have a drummer that hits a good kick drum or uh, a, a, a movie that has lightning in it or or whatever... Uh, the dog freaks out and then bites someone. Well, everybody knows that uh, that dog owner is going to sue somebody or the dog um, victim of the dog bite is going to be suing somebody. They're not going to sue the dog owner. 
they're going to be looking for those, uh, how shall we say, bigger, deeper pockets. Uh, and they're going to be saying that they need to lessen the pain and emotional toil of that canine nip. Uh, and if they are indeed uh, a trained service animal, they won't. There won't be a problem with that. Uh, but if they're not, uh, there could be issues. The other issue with that is, is that quote unquote emotional support animal uh, up current on its rabies shots and all its other distemperament shots? Whereas you know darn well that uh, if the animal is a, a, a service animal, a, a verified service animal, that they are up indeed on the rabies and distemperament and all those fun things. The, um, with the emotional support animals, you're, uh, that's a shot in the dark whether or not they're up to date. Even that could cause more liability to the uh, organization itself. So there's some really good references uh, from the Department of Homeland Security and I do believe they are all uh, open source material. Um, they have some really good information on bag checks. Many of them are um, originally uh, used for stadiums, uh, but they're very easily amendable for smaller uh, venues such as houses of worship. Um, so there's a great uh, resource to uh, look up and decide whether or not you want to do this. And if you are deciding to do this, how to go about doing so. Um, I was always taught a couple different things, uh, basically a five-step process. Um, one important one is to use a good solid table um, in a well-lit area, once again, with either a body cam or uh, cameras pointed at those directions. The, uh, the five-step process, basically you're looking when you're checking bags of, uh, of some type, we're talking large purses, backpacks, suitcases uh, and those kind of things uh, the five-step process we're looking at is number one wear gloves uh, preferably ones that deter needle sticks yes there are a lot of people who carry needles in their purses in their bags um, upon donning your gloves ask permission uh, if the uh, person minds you uh, going through and looking through their bag to verify that nothing in there is is of danger to themselves, yourself, or um, everybody in the venue. Now, there are some people who will deny access to a bag check, and that's fine. Uh, at that point in time, you need to uh, advise them that refusal to allow a bag check could very possibly restrict entrance uh, to the venue. Um, there are going to be people who you know, get in a tizzy. Uh, at that point in time, make sure your supervisor is aware uh, and uh, if they're still refusing, that will be up to the supervisor uh, or the uh, leadership of the church to determine whether or not they are allowed access in uh, to the worship facility. Um, number two, uh, during the time of a bag check, feel the bag, feel the outside of the bag, feel the sides of the bag, feel the bottom of the bag. Does it feel and weigh like a bag should. Now, I know that sounds strange to say way, but a lot of times people bring in fluids to a, uh, an event, uh, and you have to make sure uh, that the person is not carrying any fluid. That could be some type of, uh, of um, alcohol, but it also could be some type of accelerant. Uh, so you want to make sure there's no fluid being carried in the bag. Uh, at that point in time, while you're checking the outside of the bag, 
and the top and the bottom. Uh, check any outside zippers, uh, any outside pockets. Uh, verify what's in those while you're on the outside of the bag. Uh, number three, when you open the bag up, it is always best to use a stick of some type. Uh, I've worked with several people that the best stick they've ever used is an old wooden spoon uh, because it has a long handle to it and it's com compact enough and they can get a good handle on the spoon as part of the uh, spoon aspect of the uh, the uh, wooden spoon that they can uh, use the stick to um, to clear things around, move things around, look around uh, in the purse or in the bag with that stick. Uh, number four, remove any larger items and place them into a clear plastic bin. I know that sounds corny, but make sure you have a clear plastic bin nearby. That way, whatever you take out of the, uh, the bag is never out of sight of the owner. I know that sounds corny, but they can't say something happened or something moved or something was taken if it is within that clear plastic bin. Um, open any type of pouches that are inside, whether they be uh, bags, cases, sunglass or you know glass cases, makeup bags. Just check, make sure everything inside of them is what it should be. Uh, and number five, uh, replace the items in as neat of an organ organized uh, pattern that they came out of. Uh, re replace them in, in, in as, as an organized way as possible. Uh, once again, at that point, you're going to thank the participant for allowing you uh, to do that. And uh, then at that point, uh, allow them access into the venue. Now, it sounds like quite the procedure, uh, and it really isn't. The entire process will take, for the most part, around 40 to 45 seconds. Um, if it's a larger bag or a backpack or a duffel bag, it might take a minute. Uh, but never, never, never will this take more than a minute of your time and of their time as well. Um, there was a question about backpacks that someone asked me online. Uh, they were asking what my thoughts were on the bulletproof backpacks, which uh, are out there online. And quite a few people were seeing um, ads for them on different social media outlets. Um, honestly, if you're interested in that topic of uh, bulletproof backpacks, send me an email or a text. Uh, Terry at churchemergency.com uh, is my email. Uh, you can actually text me at 412-527-3673 um, or go to the, my website, churchemergency.com and leave a comment there. And uh, if you want, I have no problem uh, delving deeper on the article uh, on the concept of um, bulletproof backpacks. Uh, I think it'd be interesting to uh, get some information on, maybe even contact one of the providers of those and uh, testing one. So if that's something that shows of interest to you, let me know and I will go into deeper um, uh, discussion on that uh, for a future podcast, perhaps. Uh, if you have any comments or questions on this or really any other topic, uh, you can very simply email me at terry at churchemergency.com. Um, if you're not sure who I am, uh, my name is Terry Beringer. I am the founder and CEO of Church Emer Emergency Consulting. Uh, we are located in southwestern Pennsylvania. We will travel all around the northeast United States, and we've even gone to the southeast down to Florida for quite a few uh, organizations down there. We deal with any type of organization, uh, business. Uh, we are doing a lot of um, businesses as far as construction companies 
and uh, uh, service organizations uh, like heating and plumbing and um, electrical out, uh, companies. We're doing workplace safety for those companies. Uh, so if you were interested in that as well, uh, we're really, you know, getting um, spreading our wings from just doing uh, some type of house of worship to uh, multiple businesses and uh, companies. Uh, we specify or uh, make specific any type of training to their type of business. Um, we just worked with a, uh, a landscaping company and we discussed uh, many things that are very specific to a landscaping company. I uh, did the same thing with a heating and air conditioning company uh, dealing with uh, a lot of duct work and how you can get cut easily on the metal from duct work and discussed a lot of that during our first aid classes. So we can uh, customize any type of uh, classes. Uh, we do also train uh, houses of worship and nonprofits and NGOs on situational awareness. Uh, emergency procedures, uh, we do CPR, first aid, uh, bleeding control, uh, security teams, uh, devi devising a security team, recruiting a security team. Uh, we also develop and uh, train medical teams for churches and businesses as well. We do active intruder and active shooter training. Uh, our active shooter and active intruder training is done by a uh, homicide detective, so he definitely... Uh, knows from where he is speaking from. Uh, we do a lot of workplace safety, like I just mentioned about different uh, companies. We do fire safety as well, including fire extinguisher training and hands-on uh, fire extinguisher training. Um, when we do our active shooter training, we do uh, actual drills uh, in your property, on your property, and around your property to show you exactly how to deal with uh, any type of active intruder. Uh, that being said, uh, we will help you any way we can. We will come to your facility. We will bring all the equipment we need, and we will help you any way which we possibly can. Uh, so before we sign off, I will ask, like, and subscribe to uh, Church Emergency Podcast. And uh, tell your friends, tell your, uh, your uh, leadership of your organization, whether that be a, a, uh, a church, a synagogue, uh, or a mosque, or a business, or a nonprofit, or an NGO. Uh, we will be happy to work with you in any way we can. So contact me at terry at churchemergency.com, and I will be happy to get back to you and work with you any way we can possibly help you. Uh, thank you once again for uh, listening and letting me uh, invade your earbuds uh, for this short period of time. We look forward to hearing from you and uh, looking forward to a new topic next month. Thank you and have a wonderful, wonderful day.